I'm Sally. I'm Linda. And I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Mulan. Hi everyone, welcome to our 46th episode. So today we're going to be reacting to our secret informant about the COVID vaccine and about the process in general. So we have some exciting breaking news to share. CNN, are you listening? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. So we'll be reacting to... Um, to the new info and discussing a little bit about the vaccine. I don't think any of us are vaccinated yet, but we still see people in our community getting it. So it's very, very much in our world. Um, and before that, let's do our weekly recap. Okay, Sally, what did you do? <laughs> I did nothing. I had a day off on Monday, as we all did. Mm -hmm. um for march and luther king day and i did nothing but it was it was so hard um going back to work the next day because i had like a meeting at nine so then i was thinking like if i get back to frederick by nine then i have to wake up at like 7 a.m and i ended up not waking up early enough to get back to frederick to turn on the meeting so i just joined the meeting from home but then my home was so cold, so then I just like crawled to the bed and like with my laptop, and then I ended up like falling asleep during the meeting. What? But it's fine because I'm not important. It wasn't a video meeting. No, no. Usually, like our lab internal lab meetings are all video. Like most people turn on their videos, but for this one, it's with our Oxford collaborator oh. collaborators, and they don't turn on their videos, so it's okay if I don't. Yeah, they set the precedent. <laughs> yeah. But besides that, oh, another update I forgot to tell you guys is that actually I am eligible to get the COVID vaccine and I signed up for it um, to get it on Friday. Ooh, so nice. I will be vaccinated by next week. Wow, <laughs> so soon. Maybe we can get your feedback. Yeah, I heard people, most people have like the mild um, symptoms like soreness or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'll see if I get that. And it's because you're working mm, in, yeah. do you think it's because you're working in, like, a lab or specifically, like, a federal lab? Do you think that makes um, a difference? Honestly, I'm very confused why I'm eligible for this vaccine because I have, like, no contact with patients or, like, I'm not supposed to be, like, high priority. But me and the other posts back in the lab both are eligible and we both sign up for Friday. But no one else in our lab is. So I think it has to <gasps> do with, like, us being employed by NIH. And the other people in our lab mm -hmm. are technically employed by this private company called Lidos. Oh. So maybe that's why they maybe that they, they had extras at NIH. Mm -hmm. So and we get to do we get to like use their extras. Did your boss let you know? That's or? nice. Might as well take it while you can. No, they sent me an email like directly from the source. What is the source? Like NIH oh. source. I don't know. And, and I told my boss, and he was like, "What?" <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll yeah. be good. Maybe you can give our audience an update on how you're feeling after this episode, since it's mm -hmm. so relevant. Yep. But yeah, I haven't gotten it yet, so we'll see. Mm -hmm. Ming, how was your week? <laughs> um, this is going to be a really quick recap. So for those of you who 
I know, listen just for these recaps. <laughs> Don't say it like that. <laughs> it's going to be a short episode for your week. But yeah, l- I- I'm just saying, I we know that people out there are listening for our recaps, but this week has been pretty boring on my end too. I had Monday off, like Sally said. Um, I baked some cookies. Well, I stayed up pretty late actually baking these cookies because I wanted them to be really good for um, Stefan's birthday. He really likes oatmeal oh. raisin cookies. And I don't really like baking, but I decided to bake for him. And I stayed up kind of late making those. But that was like the highlight of my week, which is kind of <laughs> really good. I guess it's not sad, but that's the highlight of my week. Yeah, they were actually really good. I used a recipe um, from this one baker that I've been like following on Instagram. And I really wanted to try one of her recipes and it seemed easy. But it was good. It took a long time, though, because there were a lot of different like steps and like sub steps. So that's what I did. And... I say the other interesting thing that we did was I won't talk about this too much because it's for the podcast, but we had a nice little call with some other podcasters and it was like the first time I, I don't know, it was like the first time our identity as a as podcasters were like recognized, like real real kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> we're like, we Yeah, yeah, being acknowledged by other podcasters, but it was just mm-hmm. kinda awkward because we're still doing everything on zoom and we're all introverts so you know you'll hear more about that later but it was it was fun it was a nice little like something to spice up the week i guess mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's it on my end what about you linda mm, yeah i guess i forgot that happened this week since i was off like today ago. and monday so it felt like <laughs> forever ago yeah oh you got today off mm-hmm. yeah we were that's off nice. today too mm-hmm. but yeah i didn't really do much either I started reading a new manga, and it's... What's it called? The main character is called Kaiju Number 8, so it's like the Godzilla genre, and our main character is 32, and he's, like, washed up, so it's relatable, um, but it's still, like, <laughs> shonen-ish. How is that relatable? 32-year-old <laughs> It's relatable because... <laughs> usually they're, like, 12 and 14, and they're, like, super yeah, overpowered yeah. and stuff like that, but... He's just, like, a normal person, um, like, doing all these things. And it was weird because, oh, today's the inauguration, and mm-hmm. my coworkers text, or were texting me about it, and they're like, oh, like, hallelujah, and, like, like Trump's gone, <laughs> blah, blah, which is kind of weird. Like, I didn't know we were so political, I guess. I didn't want to ruin it being, like, like, Biden's just as bad or whatever, so mm-hmm. I'm like yes happy inauguration good morning y'all in a, like our group chat <laughs> good morning. so weird i feel like tomorrow wait you guys going back to work talk in your work group chat on your day off i, I could never this is like the first time it's happened so it must be like a mo- momentous uh. occasion yeah mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. our coworker who was on maternity leave came in with with her baby so that was like oh. a bonding moment i guess it was really nice yeah my work group chat too was kind of like popping off about the inauguration like one of them was like i literally mm. cried like sobbing and i was like wow okay and then me and the other like one of co- woman of color on the team we were like just liking the messages but not saying anything wow your mm. work lives are so different from mine like i literally just was doing imaging all throughout the in- <laughs> inauguration from 9 30 a.m to 4 p.m today no acknowledgement at all <laughs> no acknowledgement and we had a lab meeting during that time anyway so and no one said anything 
no no one cares <laughs> the irony of working in like a federal mm-hmm. lab versus us yeah <laughs> or last week they were making like a policy brief and they were asking me to do stuff about pdfs to send to biden it's like the memo and mm-hmm. i made the ugliest table of contents in pdf form because you can make them in adobe acrobat and they sent it to biden mm-hmm. that day <laughs> and oh my god i just forgot about that that whole stress but mm. yeah we're like supposed to be nonpartisan, but i don't know that's how my organization is too we're like technically nonpartisan, but we sent a um pr- like recommendation policy recommendation to the administration too so mm-hmm. you know i feel like people could tell where we stand i think that's just mm-hmm. inherent in the role of nonprofits anyway yeah what do you mean did you watch it yeah i watched it i i actually worked i normally work in my room but this time i worked out in the living room and like at my kitchen not my kitchen table but at my dining room table and it was really nice actually just to be in a new environment and then yeah my mom was there and we were watching it together um yeah at at some point it was just background noise while i was working but also i took a break to watch the actual swearing in Mm. must be nice All right, y'all. By the time you're listening to this, if you're not too far into the future, you already know that we are in a pandemic situation right now. And so today we're going to be talking about the two COVID vaccines that were just um, authorized for emergency use last year. And since a lot of people are starting to get the vaccine, like I'm now eligible and um, a lot of the like healthcare workers are getting vaccinated as we speak. Uh, we thought it would be a perfect timing to review and I guess discuss the review process of these vaccines. And so we decided to bring on our special guest, who is my mom, because she has experience in reviewing viral vaccines. Usually she does influenza, but this year because of COVID, she switched over to um, COVID vaccine. And she'll be sharing her expertise on this review process. So I will let her introduce herself. Hello, um, my name is Anissa and I'm Sally's mom. And my work is related to the review of um, viral vaccines. And I'm sure that you're interested to hear about um, some of the some of my work related to the COVID-19 um, related vaccines. Um, basically people, you may know that, um, right now, um, a lot of people are interested to hear about the two vaccines that are able, um, for the U.S. people to vaccinate that, that they are from Pfizer and Moderna. And I just want to share with you some of the scientific background regarding to this, um, vaccines. And I want to emphasize that this is from my personal experience. And um, so um, it's nothing related to my job position. Since my mom already does this work a lot in her daily life, we asked her a little bit about the routine um, process of reviewing the vaccines. And we also wanted to hear a little bit about the introduction of the vaccines into the world. Can you describe some of your daily work involved with reviewing this vaccine? Yeah, sure. Um, I would love to share with you. So 
maybe I would like to start with the review, the reviewing process of um, viral vaccines in general. So for a manufacturer to um, to get the licensure of the vaccine in the U.S. market, they have to provide an abundant information regarding to their vaccines related to their manufacturing process and also all kinds of um, animal studies um, to support that the vaccine is saved for the first phase clinical studies. And also they have to provide a clinical plan to um, describe their um, the design of the clinical studies to support that their vaccine is if effective and also safe. So basically, they have to go through this process. And also for the clinical studies, normally they were divided into three phases, phase one, phase two, and phase three. So the first phase basically is just they want to find out which dosage will be uh, effective for the vaccines and also the safety data have to be generated regarding to the, to the dosage that they propose to be used for testing. And for the phase two, is they will include more people. Oh, let me go back. For phase one, normally it's just um, using a sm smaller pop population, like around um, 100 people or less than 100 people. But for phase two, once they already determined their, um, their tested dosage or effective dosage, they will include more people in the phase two study. Normally, I'm talking about hundreds, several hundreds. And then... For the phase two study, they want to further confirm their suggested dosage and also to look more into their safety data. And eventually, they have to go through the phase three trial that they need to include a lot more people to generate that their vaccine is safe and efficacy. So, for example, like this um, SARS coronavirus vaccine, um, for the phase three studies, they include... Um, between about 40,000 to 50,000 people in their phase three studies to look for um, the efficacy of the vaccines as well as they try to collect as much safety data as possible. So when did you hear about the first vaccines being developed? So if you remember, actually, for this COVID-19 um, I believe the news that... Um, was started in China back in uh, November 2019. And then um, at that time, most of the cases were in China or in the Asian country. But by the time that uh, more cases um, find in the U.S., most likely is starting in January, February. And then... Um, the company started started um, not only a company and also the academia. They started um, doing a lot of research and also um, investigating into different approach of making vaccines for the for this SARS um, COVID two. I would say is around from from what I remember, probably starting in March or April. But I, I'm not very sure about the exact time, but I think this will be pretty much the time frame that we, all the all, 
all the scientists as well as manufacturers start working on this um this virus. Okay, so that was just Sally's mom, I guess, giving a little bit of background or introduction. Um, and so we'll separate these uh, recordings based off of different categories of questions. But for this first two questions, um, especially the first one, when she was talking about the review process, just the general outline, it kind of reminded me of like I have a distinct memory of sitting in one of my public health classes <laughs> and learning about like each step a vaccine takes to be like approved in the U.S. And I remember thinking, because this was before COVID, I remember thinking, wow, why do we have to know this? Like, we're just undergrad. I was, I think I was a junior at the time. So I was like, yeah, like, I'm not going into lab work or vaccine work or anything. So this is kind of, it's nice information, but I don't think I really need to know this. And here we are, like, two years later listening to this. And now everyone is, like, trying to figure out what it means to have a vaccine come out so soon or whatever. So it goes to show that maybe a public health degree was actually a good thing to get during this time but <laughs> it's definitely like you learn it in class but it's not until it actually happens and then suddenly everyone's paying attention to it it becomes so much more mm, real it's like common knowledge yeah yeah exactly so i think we are all like we're lucky i guess to have like a background in public health or in science where we can kind of understand like even if not fully we can like understand the general thought process whereas like to explain it to my extended family i would have to do it like step by step and even then they probably wouldn't totally understand or like understand why it came out so fast because i know that's a common fear Mm -hmm. i guess about the vaccine i think another part i was curious about is the animal trials thing i feel like that should be something that anti-vaxxers would be like holding on to like they they gave covid to animals or something so like how did they kind of bypass that and also the first hundred people to get the vaccine like what was the appeal to them like were they like just like super desperate for Mm. the appeal is trying to find a cure well not really a cure but like trying to end this pandemic as soon as possible i mean i mean even in normal times like without a pandemic um, even for like influenza vaccines, all of this goes on. So mm-hmm. now it's just even easier to get these subjects and the funding mm-hmm. for it, which is why yeah. it was expedited, I think. Yeah. Would either of you all be willing to be a subject for maybe not the COVID vaccine because they've already been developed, but like maybe a future vaccine or something like that? I've always been kind of curious about that because I think I watched the show once where um, they it wasn't for a vaccine, but they were recruiting participants for a health study and they were like being paid or whatever and this person did it out of desperation rather than just like Mm -hmm. wow saving the world kind of like being a participant but i've i've always like Mm -hmm. thought about it in that way of it Mm -hmm. just being like how do you recruit she said 40 to fifty thousand people that's still like that's a huge number to recruit from and then to consider that you you do have to consider where people are coming from and their different age ethnicity and like so mm-hmm. many different things like i want to be a back or like a test recruiter or something <laughs> like that yeah that'd be interesting but i think also like one of the limiting factors to why like these two vaccines were the first ones out there is because of the recruitment like other people other companies i think were behind because maybe their testing centers just like weren't in locations where there are a lot of people willing to mm-hmm. be test subjects so mm-hmm. it is important to recruit people 
it's a hard yeah. thing to do that's a really yeah. good point mm-hmm. i kind of want to do like the swap thing now you know for like the be the match be the match what is that? like campaign it's like finding uh cell donors for people and you can like donate Mm -hmm. some of your like bone marrow Mm -hmm. cells for people who have like limb is it lymphoma Mm -hmm. it's like limb something leukemia yeah maybe lymphoma oh luke yeah (laughs) all right Um, should we move on (laughs) All right, so we just listened to Sally and her mom have a discussion, just giving the, I guess, overview of what we're going to be talking about more. And so this next group of questions that we had for her was more about the specifics of the review process, um, what it's like in the actual clinical phase trials. And she addresses a big question that I think a lot of people had about the vaccine, which was the speed and the the time it took and how you can balance speed and quality. So she's going to get into that. So keep on listening. So you talked a lot about how the companies go through the different clinical phases for releasing this vaccine, but what was the review process like um, as people who aren't working in the company but are working on the safety of the vaccine? I want to um, describe it in this way. So safety of the vaccine is the most important thing. to the U.S. public, because if you understand that in the U.S., actually, there there is a group of people, they are not really like the idea of vaccination. So we want to make sure that all vaccines that is um, available to the U.S. public have to be safe. Otherwise, we are doing something even um, destroying the credits of the vaccine. Right, we don't want that. We want to. We want people to really trust our vaccines, and also to vaccinate. So everybody will have that immune response, create a herd immunity. Then it really protects the whole community. So for this um, SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, I, I would like to explain a little bit regarding to um, the licensing process. Basically, if you know that right now. The two available vaccines in the market, they are not being licensed. So they are only called EUA. We call EUA. That means emergency use authorization. So it is a little bit different from the traditional licensing process. So, um, but I am not saying that it is not safe or it is not um, adequately being revealed. But the process is a little bit different. Um, normally, we have to do some kind of like a risk versus benefit approach in this pandemic situation. So you have to assess uh, if you wait until um, the to complete the traditional approval process. It may take longer time before people can, vac- can vaccinate. And this you have to make assessment if you want to wait longer or you want to vaccinate a little, little bit earlier, even though we have not finished the whole reviewing process. But we are pretty confident that all the information that we have right now is is um, adequate enough to, to tell that based on, you know, the expertise in the regulatory agents, they 
they carefully review all the data and and assess that they are safe and also effective to be used. So I believe that the expertise under the regulatory agents, they when they say that they, they have adequate data, I think even though the process has not been completely done for the approval, there will be adequate enough for the public to use it in order to control the pandemic. So that is the reason um, those two vaccines are, are under EUA and not really completely approved. So I'm curious about uh, how far into the clinical phase trials does the company have to be in order to start working with the reviewers on the review process? Do they submit all their information after they're done or do you work together throughout the process? That's a very good question. Basically, the whole process is very dynamic. So, um, for example, if a manufacturer has some ideas to develop a vaccine, so they will start with a pre-IND meeting. IND, that stands for Investigational New Drug. In this situation, it's a new vaccine that they would like to develop for some type of infectious disease. So they will start with a pre-IND meeting, and then they will consult with the regulatory agents what kind of information they are required in order to submit um, a file for IND. That means a new vaccine. So through this pre-IND meeting, they will have some knowledge so about what kind of information regarding to the manufacturing process, regarding to the product data on the vaccines, regarding to the animal data that they need to support for the first phase, for the phase one study. For example, they need to do a toxicity studies in the animal to make sure that it is not toxic in animal. And okay, then they get all, and also they may ask um, their clinical protocol design, how they would like us um, to provide them advice on the design on the clinical protocol. So after the pre-IND meeting, normally the manufacturer will um, will draft um, a submissions for the IND. So the IND will give more detailed information regarding to their process and also the animal study that they have performed with data and also the phase one clinical protocol that they already drafted and they will submit it to us and then we will re review you know, the regulatory agent will review it and decided whether the information in that IND will be adequate to start their phase one studies. And um, and then after that, they will go for phase two and phase three. But during the whole process, phase one, phase two, phase three, actually the regulatory reagent work um, cooperatively with the sponsor uh, in the in their development uh, stages, so they can they can have um, meeting with us, and also they can ask questions throughout their development process. Well, that's very interesting. So, it's because this review process for the COVID vaccine was uh, much faster than usual, usually vaccines take several years to be able to be out in the market. How? Did this review process balance speed and quality? And what was the most important thing to check for? 
Yeah, this is you are correct. Normally, the reviewing process for a new vaccine takes uh takes longer than this um SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. But bear in mind, first of all, I want to emphasize that these two vaccines have not been fully approved first. And the second thing is also remember this is a pandemic situation. We are talking about. Several thousands of people are dying every single day, and the infectious、um, new cases is increasing in a extraordinary rate. So that is the reason that we have to expedite the whole reviewing process. It doesn't means that we are we are diminishing our reviewing quality. We are just doing extra work. And putting extra time and resources in reviewing these two、um, vaccine submissions, and try to、um, obtain as much information as possible from the from the sponsor or manufacturer to、um, to assure that we have sufficient data to ensure that the vaccines are safe and effective. So、um, I can tell you that. It is it is a very difficult process and involves a lot of people in this reviewing process in order to to speed up the whole review process and and try to get these、um, vaccines、um, to be used under the EUA. Okay, so now I have a question that a lot of people are curious about, and it's what is the difference. Between the two vaccines that are currently available in the U.S., so the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine.、Um, if you understand that both vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, they are messenger RNA-based vaccines. So this, they are very similar. They are both、um, the mRNA encapsulated in the lipid nanoparticles. So for me. Based on the scientific point of view, they are very similar, and I, I don't think that there's a much difference between these two vaccines. So, what was the major scientific challenges to authorizing the vaccine for public use? Um, I think the scientific challenges, especially for this、um, SARS-CoV-2, is、um, because this is a novel approach.、Um, we never have any licensed vaccines using this mRNA-based vaccine approach, so pe-、um, people may not have a lot of confidence because we don't have a lot of、um, experience with this new approach. But、um, We have to understand that actually mRNA-based approach、um, making vaccines, even though have not been licensed, but there have been a lot of research doing this kind of、um, mRNA-based vaccines going on for more than ten years. So, actually, a lot of scientists have a lot of experience on those、um, vaccines, and I believe. For the challenges for vaccination is always the same. It's the education. You have to educate people, make them understand uh, uh, the mechanism of these vaccines, and also di- discuss with them、um, if they have safety concerns. You have to explain to them what kind of safety concern they have, and try to use a f- scientific 
base knowledge to explain to them why those concerns may not be an actual concern. Then I I believe education is the major key for people to understand the safety of the vaccine. Okay, so this long segment about the details of the review process uh, may sound like a press statement, but that's only because my mom has been consulted um, by a lot of her friends about this, so she's probably pretty familiar with like giving advice or like giving information, more information about the details. Mm-hmm. So actually, since I've been living at home, in and out of the home, um, throughout this whole like review process, my mom does share with us like what goes on. So I've heard of like a- EUA, <laughs> um, IND, mm-hmm. like those kind of terminology. But I was wondering for you guys who haven't, don't have a family member that's a vaccine reviewer, like what did you think about hearing the inside, the inside details of the review process? Mm-hmm. I don't think she gave a lot of details. That's why mm-hmm. I was like reflecting on how it sounded like a press statement because she's like, mm-hmm. safety is the utmost importance, just like reassuring the public mm-hmm. and being like, the regulatory agents have it under control. Um, so just having that strong face to present the vaccine, she did a really like good job of doing that. So it sounds like she's very articulate on that. But the part that... I I was kind of scared it was the herd immunity part because there's no mandate for people to get the vaccine. So looking at like some people's hesitations about it, I guess, are we ever going to reach herd immunity or is this whole thing going to like backfire or something? I think because of the pandemic situation, I feel like more people would be willing to get the vaccine. I mean, Speaking from like influenza, I feel like most people don't even get the flu shot yearly. <laughs> but even still, then we still have like good enough herd immunity. So I feel like because of this pandemic, people will be like, we'll have the extra push to go out and get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But what do you think, Ming? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to go back to what you said earlier about how you're always in the house hearing this. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I learned a lot just from this. Maybe I don't like. The news is so ongoing and overwhelming that you almost kind of like zone out or at least I zone out when I hear news about the COVID vaccine. Like I understand I'm going to get it when it becomes available, but like the details of it, I don't necessarily pay attention to. So hearing this explained by your mom was really helpful. And yeah, I don't I don't know. That's the whole reason we wanted her on, right, was because maybe mm-hmm. someone might not hear the details, but hearing it from Sally's mom might help be more helpful. Um, all these phrases were pretty new to me. I knew about the emergency use authorization, but, and I kind of wish we had maybe recorded, um, her, um, interview, like, live so we could, like, respond and ask more questions, but I guess another question I had was, like, when it's, maybe you know this, Sally, but when it's given the EUA and she Mm -hmm. emphasized that it wasn't fully you know license like fully approved it's not approved yeah it's not approved. will it eventually become approved or this is just like the state that it will exist yeah that is forever? the goal <laughs> okay. yeah that's still the goal of the vaccines but because there's not enough data i think they're still in like phase i would want to say phase four um clinical studies because they're still waiting to get like all of the safety data to get full approval so mm-hmm. actually at the end of the eua i think for both of the companies because I listened to them because I was interested. <laughs> um, 
um, they have like a, an advisory meeting before approve, giving the EUA um, authorization for the vaccines. So at the end of the advisory meeting, all the committee members would like they would request which additional sets of data that they wanted from the companies. Mm. So okay, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like when Linda was talking about getting her journal reviewed, and like people came <laughs> yeah. back, they came back with a lot of edits or more questions. It's kind of like the same idea. Mm-hmm. Of, they yeah. come in with a lot of information already, but there's just like additional information that they they really want. And I know that um, like expectant or pregnant people was like something that was there. They want to see what happens, or yeah, you know, not too much research going into that. Yeah. So, but the thing is, for these studies. Um, at least like the first few phases they didn't include any pregnant women or they didn't mm-hmm. like once they found out that they were pregnant they tried to exclude them from the main cohort because they don't want to like potentially harm the babies you know but mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. if people like pregnant women get vaccinated like once they're available then maybe they can start collecting data from them and they mm-hmm. also don't have much data on kids which is why it's not like available for kids right well, I, I think, again, what your mom was emphasizing about education, like, that really, I mean, I understood that fully. And I think, again, we have that privilege of having that background knowledge. So even when these phrases are new to me, the idea that maybe they're not fully, you know, there's still more information that could be found out, but they were balancing the, the like, it's super safe, but they were just putting more um like resources into getting it done fast like to me that doesn't scare me really because i don't know like that's that has happened before or like there's been other vaccines that you know there's been so much research on the back end and that we Mm -hmm. don't hear about like for this one there was 10 years she said of research that was going on on mrna that we don't necessarily know about because there's there hasn't been a licensed vaccine of it yet but to me that's reassuring but maybe to other people who don't i don't know Maybe I don't know. Don't, don't pay like attention. What yeah. mRNA is? They're like, yeah. Maybe that's more yeah. questioning. But um, I think a lot of people are like people who don't have a science background are worried that the like injecting the vaccine into you might like cause it to grow into coronavirus and like infect your body. Mm-hmm. But like because it's the mRNA. So I don't know if you guys know this, but the mRNA only encodes the spike protein on the virus. So it's like literally just like the outer like one protein on the outer surface of the virus which is what Mm -hmm. our antibodies will what will develop antibodies against to recognize this virus if we do get infected so there's Mm -hmm. no way for like a mrna encoding just one spike protein will become a whole full-fledged virus yeah also in some there in some cases like it might be better not to disclose all of this information which kind of goes against the education thing but if Sally's mom told me this thing was safe and like the um the regulatory agents told me this thing was safe I feel like I don't really know need to know about like the mRNA thing you know how like in movies where there's like an alien invasion or whatever no one's gonna tell the public because they don't want to cause like a mass panic or something yeah so sometimes I feel like the more you reveal the more people are like it doesn't make sense and they try to like be scientists Mm. themselves (laughs) yeah well I think now that that might have been the case before but I feel like now everyone are like what do they call them like keyboard warriors or you know like all the anti-vaxxers who are like typing away at you know on their blogs or tweeting about like the evils of vaccines and Mm -hmm. um I actually wrote my my, Linda knows this but I wrote my public health like 
capstone <laughs> paper, senior capstone paper on not this vaccine, but the HPV vaccine and looking into like what prevents parents um, from approving it for their kids. And a lot of it had to do with like the doctor patient relationship. So if you have a strong relationship with your doctor and they take the time to explain it and you know, fully address your concerns, then parents are way more likely to vaccinate their kids. Uh, But I guess in this case, we don't have that luxury of like sitting down with your doctor and like Mm -hmm. discussing the pros and cons of the COVID vaccine because we're we're in a pandemic. So yeah, yeah, I guess that's why Fauci and like all these other health care, like big names are like all around YouTube doing interviews and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you have to like reach the people where they are, whether that be Mm -hmm. social media or whatever, which I'm kind of like, I'm really into and that's if I were to go into grad school, that's what I'd go into. But, yeah. <laughs> so now that we learned more about what the review process is like in detail, we asked Sally's mom some more general questions that the public may have um, that we sourced from our Instagram polls. Do you know any people personally that are hesitant about the vaccine? And what would you say to them if you do know someone? Yeah, actually, I do have a um, couple, couple of friends that they they have some questions or maybe minor concerns regarding to this new vaccines. Um, one of my friends, she is a nursing mom, and she was worried about that, oh, whether this um, new vaccines have any effects to the baby when she breastfed her baby. Then I told her that... Um, Basically, I will. I would. I. I will just let her know that you have. You. She have to make her own assessment. But I can tell her all the facts regarding what I know about these vaccines. Um, I told her that based on right now all the safety data, um, I don't think uh there is a very serious potential concerns regarding to these vaccines for even nursing mom but um, I, I have to be honest with her is normally for this kind of data for nursing mom we don't include nursing mom or pregnant woman in the clinical studies so basically is um, you can only rely on um, the the results from the clinical studies sometimes during the clinical studies some of the women may get pregnant and that is true, may not have a lot of um, information regarding to these new vaccines. But I, I told her that you have to, for me, if you are asking me these questions, I would just um, think that to get protection may outweigh the potential safety concern. And definitely, this is her decision. I, I told her that you have to make your own assessment and make a decision that you feel comfortable with. Okay, so the last question that I have for you is, do you think COVID-19 will ever be eradicated? And what does the new um, UK variant mean for the future of this vaccine? I think this is a million dollars questions. No one can answer your questions um, because um, whether it will be irradiated, I, I don't know because virus, you know the characters of virus, they can mutate really fast. If you understand why we need to uh, vaccinate influenza 
vaccines every single year because it really mutated very fast. And for this SARS-CoV-2, I don't know. I really don't know. I hope, I hope um, this SARS-CoV-2 will behave like the one that happened in Hong Kong back in 1993. But I, I cannot answer these questions. Regarding to the UK variants, um, basically, I don't think we have a lot of data regarding whether the vaccines available right now, um, um, whether it will neutralize the UK variants or not. I am not sure that we we have sufficient information to address these questions. But based on some of the very limited inf data that from the uh, scientific journal, um, it shows that even right now, the antibodies that elicited by the current vaccines is able to neutralize the UK variants, which is a very promising news. At least uh, if the UK variants or the variants from Brazil or from South Africa comes over to the U.S. At least, I believe the current vaccines will have some protective action based on the very limited data that we have right now. So um, keep our finger crossed. Well, I think you gave a lot of good answers. I hope our listeners... Um gained a lot of new information from listening to your interview and thank you for coming on to our podcast today okay i'm glad you invited me and hope you enjoy what i said <laughs> okay so i think that was maybe the most not important but most interesting part of the interview with your mom because those two questions are really on the minds of everyone i think or at least a concern for a lot of people and when your mom said it's a million dollar question I almost I like kind of chuckled because that's true like how is she supposed to know the answer to that and I think everyone just wants you know we have this like really big hope in the vaccine but now we have the variants coming from different countries and we're worried that our new hope is like diminishing but there's nothing to guarantee it just like we had no way of knowing about COVID in the first place so I think your mom gave a really good answer for not knowing like kind of anything we don't know the future so mm -hmm. i wish we did but <laughs> i'm still reassured about the vaccine yeah so her answer for the question first question about the breastfeeding or like i guess people who are just cautious or nervous about the vaccine mm -hmm. i think she gave a good answer like if you look at the facts and like the safety data and just make your own assessment like no one can force you to take the vaccine but if you do your own assessment, then you'll likely be able to, I don't know, you'll make a decision that you can stand by. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels yeah. like a lot of the problems are stemming from like the rollout of the vaccine and how it's like so haphazard rather than just the vaccine itself. Because um, you can see like sometimes there's inequities about who gets the vaccine and who doesn't. And I mean, not who doesn't, who doesn't get it yet, mm -hmm. I guess. And there's nothing that mm -hmm. these scientists mm -hmm. or researchers can really do that much, especially in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was having a discussion with some of my other friends about how frustrating the U.S. can be, not just about like the vaccine, but about like lit literally anything that is 
like we have such a, we're called the united states so we're it's literally we're separate almost entities at this point and it's so hard to have like a federal mandate or rule that like mm. crosses all like 50 states and so even when we have like a worldwide pandemic that thousands are people people are dying from it's like we i don't know the structure i guess of our country just is so bad at like letting us have a full coverage kind of rollout plan and yeah yeah it's just so frustrating but there's nothing well like, i think like each state has to make their own mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah and i think for maryland i think i think most people in maryland are getting the moderna vaccine because mm-hmm. at least from what i've seen so far and like what i've been offered it's mostly moderna that's the second one right or yes the second one that got ua okay okay maybe we should have asked this also but i know your mom only focused on the the pfizer vaccine but i know there was that whole like i don't know if it was a debacle but the the whole question about like um i think the pfizer one is the one that has to be uh, like yeah, in negative yeah. something storage the storage yeah yeah so i wonder how that has impacted the rollout as well but yeah i guess for pfizer you can only ship it to specialized like places that have minus 80 freezers mm-hmm. but moderna really thought it through <laughs> came up with this vaccine but they still have to have cold storage i mm. like it's not minus 80 but maybe minus 20 i don't know yeah that that's also something that i when you said that moderna thought it through that was something that i thought throughout this entire interview like i don't know if obviously probably you sally knew this but i did not realize that maybe before this year before the pandemic that vaccines mm-hmm. were made by like companies like companies <laughs> that what sounds really that sounds really dumb by? but i thought the government i thought it was like they ordered them to make the vaccines. fda the really the, the CD- <laughs> yeah i thought there was like one set kind of recipe i guess or like mm. i guess i thought there was a lot more collaboration in the background going on than there really is because i thought like mm-hmm. oh once someone figures it out then they'll pass it around and maybe they do but yeah. the difference in those two vaccines like the the difference in storage shows that like they're not the same at all really Mm -hmm. and even now there's like other companies still trying to get their COVID vaccines approved or eua so yeah it's always a struggle like a battle (laughs) between the companies i did not realize it was so like commercialized which Mm -hmm. i mean that's a whole nother discussion about healthcare being commercialized but i yeah it's i did not realize it's a plus at least in this case because then you're you have someone to race against like you mm. have to get it out as fast as you can like oh, doing the best job that you can so it gives them i mean in a way it is like it is working because if you have no competition you can just take your time like people will still take your vaccine after however much time that you take to get that's it true out, so there could be an argument for like the innovation oh i guess like mm-hmm. a minus in general that i didn't know about was that like lesser known viruses like just won't get a vaccine probably um i mean obviously mm-hmm. this is like a special case that's why everyone's trying to get it out fast but yeah like Ming said i also didn't know that it was like when a manufacturer just like has an idea to go make it then that's how it gets started like they're not ordered to by by who by the government i guess yeah mm-hmm. but that's just how science is like when i was doing high school research I worked on the, like, I worked at FDA in a lab, but we were doing the human cytomegalovirus, and, like, 
only like these very small amount of infants get this virus so we had like no funding mm-hmm. <laughs> and like compared to other labs who are doing bigger viruses you know it's just how academia works i guess mm. sadly yeah but hopefully now after this whole pandemic and worldwide public health crisis hopefully more money will be put more research more money and funding will be put into like preventative measures or doing more just like preventative public health research i don't know Mm -hmm. i i guess that's all that's something that could possibly we could benefit from after this good pr statement Alrighty, everyone, that concludes the end of this 46th episode. It was a really educational episode, and I personally enjoyed hearing um, the perspective of Sally's mom, someone who has all that experience to share with us, and I think we're pretty lucky to hear it from her. Um, I guess we can just conclude by saying that we'll have the the transcript up, so if you want to read through it and you know read what she was saying to further process it, if that'll help like that'll be there so you can always access that but I think what Sally's mom said about how she talked to her friend like if you know family members or if you yourself are unconvinced about this vaccine then um, the only thing you can do is do more research your own personal research and then make that decision for yourself so hopefully this episode might have helped you a little bit um, and I hope you enjoyed And as always, if you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Moving Along Pod. And we'll also be uploading bonus content to our Medium blog, such as the transcript of Sally's mom's interview. So you can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.